0: Dear Covetrians, pet friends and podcast lovers, welcome to the SeaVetFlow podcast where I talk with interesting and inspiring people across the Covetras organization. We talk about professional and life experiences, Covetras values and culture and I always try to show you our guests from different perspectives. So let's get started. Episode number 11 of our CWED Flow podcast is here and today I will interview Janos Pastor. Janos is Senior Director of Data Engineering and Management at Covetras and I have a feeling that his story will be unique. So let's get started. Hi Janos. Hi Jan, thanks for having me. Thank you for accepting the invitation. Uh, How was your morning today?
1: It, it was great. I live in Wisconsin and it's actually snowing outside. We have about an inch of snow, which I love. I love I love snow and I, I love the holidays.
0: Okay. So it is common that uh, in November uh, it is like snowing season in Wisconsin?
1: It is. We had the unseasonable warm weather uh, a week or so ago, but it, it finally figured things out and I think it's more seasonable now.
0: Well, Janos, let's start from here. Uh, I believe that for most of our employees is data engineering and management, something like rocket science. Uh, so please help us to better
1: understand in a simple way, your discipline and all around. Yeah, absolutely. So I would say data engineering and management in, in general, what my, what my team does is creating enterprise data capabilities to ultimately drive better data-driven decision-making. Um, and, and we do that through, uh, through different departments. We have a corporate data warehouse we're building where we're bringing data together. Uh, we're responsible for data governance and data management, which, which includes things like data quality and tracking where data lives and master data management. So we have some important data domains like customers, uh, mm-hmm. like pet parents, uh, like products and, and how do we, how we manage that data? consistently across business units is uh, is kind of third leg of the stool of the the group that i lead and by the way what are the most
0: common biases about data and what is let's say your perspective
1: yeah i would i think you know people people generally at least the people that don't know data well tend to be maybe a little afraid of data or think it's very complex and i and i understand why i think data there's a lot of investment and and companies in data, right? And so they're Mm -hmm. always coming up with these new terminologies right now, things like data mesh, data fabric, and, you know, other things related to AI. But I think once you understand the general patterns of data, it's actually not super complicated. I think that's Mm -hmm. really the hard part is just getting the basic understanding of the concepts and patterns, and then applying them to the different use cases okay yeah so we will come back uh, to the topic later
0: and now maybe more about you please can you share with us also something about your background i know that you were born and grew up in the europe and then uh, your family moved to the us so maybe if you can share your story with us
1: yeah absolutely um and, and i would say I'll, I'll kind of go back to the beginning because it, it really helped shape who i am today mm-hmm. like you said i grew up in uh, in europe grew up in hungary was in Hungary kind of beginning of eighties and very much you're coming out of communism, it wasn't a very rich country, right? A lot of corruption and, um, and that was difficult for me. And my, my mom made the decision to one day, just sell everything. We had sell our house, our car, buy us tickets. And, and we, we moved to the U S without really a, a support structure here or knowing the language. Or anything like that, uh, in in the '90s, mm-hmm. and and I think it shaped me in two ways. The first one was just seeing her do that, uh, seeing her give up everything to to provide us with better opportunities and and the education in the U.S. and so on. It made me really appreciate all the opportunity that I now have to make a change, whether mm-hmm. that's from my first job working at McDonald's and being promoted mm-hmm. to a manager, or you know working at mm-hmm. Chuck E. Cheese during high school. So just because i i know what that felt like and i and i know there are many people that try to uh, move to the us or other countries that are not as successful as we were and so um, i think that was one important aspect the the other one is probably my love of technology so moving to a new country when you're in high school as you can imagine there's a lot of internal changes happening right in your body and you're trying to figure things out and then you stack on top of that, this huge change, I kind of naturally pulled back and uh, technology springing up internet chats, I did what probably a lot of immigrants do, which is um, I created some new connections through the internet back home. and so I'd go to school, mm-hmm. I'd come home, and then I'd be just on chats, like Hungarian chats at night. And what that did was, you know, one, it, it kind of was like a safety net for me, but it also, really sparked this love of technology that i still have today and i and i very much consider myself a technology nerd um it you know i i got into computer security and kind of hacking back in the day and mm. and freaking and the love of data and just tinkering with technology that i you know to this day i i very much love and do in my free time
0: yeah and how difficult was uh... For you, in the teenage, to live everything in the Europe, in Hungary, and start from the scratch in different part of the world, I mean, school, friends, language, culture.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was it, it was difficult. Um, the first couple of years of high school were the toughest because of the the language barrier. I, I learned some English in Hungary, mm-hmm. but it was well, one it was kind of UK English, but also it was it was very rudimentary. I could sing some songs in English. I could tell you the time. But beyond that, it, it was difficult to understand the even even just the slangs, right? Yeah. Um, what made it easy was that the education in Hungary, especially the the STEM education, was was very uh, thorough. And so, mm-hmm. at least the you know high school was easy from that perspective because the content I already kind of learned in middle school. Uh, it was very difficult, right? We we had hours worth of homework every night, at least in my school so that made it quite a bit easier and then i think by junior year of high school i i developed some friendships that i still keep to this day and and that made it much much easier wow and here here you are (laughs) and here i am yeah well before you joined covetras you worked
0: in financial sector how different is the financial business from and from animal health industry from data point of view Uh, Mm -hmm. I would guess that in financial sector, data are more crucial for the business, but maybe I would be surprised how important data are also for our
1: business. Right? Yeah, no, that's a really good question. And and actually I started in healthcare and then I was in the financial sector for the last eight years or so. And you're right. I I did notice, I think in the financial sector, there's just a, a deep understanding of how important data is as a foundational enabler and so uh, so in, in in that industry it was easier from the perspective that i never had to make a case for data and creating the data enablers uh, there was always a lot of investment in data the business model was actually surprisingly similar to our Covetris one it was the company i worked for it was fairly large 30 35 36 billion assets under management you know over 70,000 financial advisors working in the credit union space but it was very much a b two b and then a, and a b B2, two b two c and b two c business. So it kind of had all of those different aspects, which when it comes to data, actually it's very similar to what we do yeah. at collections, right? because mm-hmm. we we have kind of all those aspects m- mashed in as well. And so data becomes kind of a core uh, strategy of how we help our customers and how we do business. And in May 2022,
0: you joined Cometras as a Senior Director of Data Engineering and Management, and you are leading quite a big team. By the way, I would like to send regards at this moment to Jeff Bates, uh, whom I met uh, almost three years ago in Dublin, Ohio, uh, in one of the workshops. But back to my question, tell me something about your team and
1: your way of working together. Absolutely. I would say... so, and. Good call out for Jeff. Jeff is a, is a great asset. We're very fortunate to have him. Um, you know, one thing I've been trying to do since I started at Covetris was uh, just make sure that we have a good culture within our data team. I think people are very important, right? They're the most important aspect of anything that any company does. And so it's important that we come to work and bring our whole selves to work and, and enjoy the time we spend, the hours we spend with each other every day. And so one of my major philosophies is, you know, one, we got to create a, a safe environment where people feel challenged, feel like they're growing. There's kind of a learning culture. But then also we get to know each other as people building that team, uh, creating those kind of positive collisions within our team and outside of our team as well, and establish a purpose. So those have kind of been cornerstones for the last seven or eight months since I've been with Covetrus, in addition to all the techie stuff we do with data.
0: Yes. I also absolutely agree that this is uh, very essential for every department to have really uh, good core culture and also the company culture above of that. Yes. Janos, it's time for a short piece for you now. Uh, I will ask very direct questions and I ask you to answer with one word or one sentence and we can elaborate all the topics in more details. Ready? That's it. What does technology
1: mean to you in your private life? To me, it means growth and continuing to adapt to this thing that surrounds us and and really drives how we live. A little bit of science fiction. Uh, Do you think that AI
0: is more opportunity or risk for the world? Uh, Both,
1: but mostly an opportunity. Mm -hmm. How do you keep yourself in good health condition? Exercise is very important to me. I lift weights and I I dabble in uh, in martial arts I can wow is there anything you miss from Hungary or Europe I think the thing I miss the most is the closeness of people knowing your neighbors and and just the relationships that people create there
0: okay thank you for very honest answers and uh, we can now elaborate uh, all the topics uh, we discussed about technology AI good health condition and exercise you do and also hungary and europe so i leave it up to you in whatever order you would like to start yeah maybe
1: let's start with ai because i think that's uh, okay that's a one.
0: yes so i just try to understand from your perspective those let's say scientific uh, mm-hmm. let's say predictions for the future that in certain point in, it can turn around and it can be risk uh, let's say for the world what do you mm-hmm. think about that
1: yeah absolutely so so in i think ai in general is now in this age of implementation, we mm-hmm. kind of are past the age of discovery. We know what it takes to implement AI. And now we need to try to implement it at, at companies and businesses. And, and I think there are three things that are needed to, uh, to really implement good AI algorithms that drive businesses or create businesses and really change the world. And in our case, change the, the pet health industry. I think it's one is data, uh, big mm-hmm. data, lots of data. It's computing power, right? Because AI is very computationally heavy. And then I think it's, it's just some strong, doesn't have to be elite, but strong AI engineers that just know the concepts and know how to implement these uh, algorithms. And I think of those three things, the most challenging and time-consuming is, is the data piece. The big data, it's having the data to train these algorithms and continuously learn and, and refine. And it's hard because, you know it, it, first of all, it's hard to keep up with the data that we're creating and we're consuming and then on top of that we have to make this data internally consumable we have to make sure the quality is good enough to make decisions out of it we have to make sure it's it's either consolidated or at least easily accessible across the many different systems we have so so that's that's kind of a cornerstone of some of the things we're trying to do with my team too right there's there's analytics and decision making and kind of the basics of building applications on top of data capabilities, but ultimately we know we're going to have to get into the AI space and, uh, creating these data capabilities with that in mind, I think is extremely important. And do you think that, uh, we are all, let's, let's say, ready to use AI also in
0: Covetras, or is it like the future in five years or how do you see this?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, I think there are components of AI that we're already doing, right? It's mm-hmm. like some of the automation we do just based on, based on data. Uh, like in the operations play space where we're, we're, we're looking at some logs and we're making some decisions and restarting jobs. So there are some simple things we do. But I think there's definitely a, a lot of opportunity to to help our customers and, and for us to make decisions, drive our marketing campaigns, things like that to, uh, to continue to mature in.
0: You also discussed about martial arts. So what kind of martial arts are you doing? Is like mma in the cage or
1: (laughs) no you know and and i you know i don't i don't actually uh duel or or battle it's it's really just an interest i've had since childhood i uh during the pandemic i got into muay thai Mm -hmm. quite a bit and so it's just something that i've been doing weightlifting for a very long time My, my parents are actually really into weightlifting and uh, embarrassingly, my my mom can probably bench press more than I can. You know, if got, like a good sense for how much they like uh, weightlifting. But I, I kind of got bored of weightlifting during the pandemic, and I and I tried Muay Thai, and it's I found it to be just really refreshing. It's something else I can learn, uh, become good at, and just use as an exercise in my garage when I don't want to go all the way to the gym. And maybe
0: there's also some bias about martial arts that uh, it is like aggressive way of, uh, I don't know, uh, spending your energy, but uh, it is also about, let's say, some philosophy behind, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and there were times, right, just just practicing, where, you know, sometimes I get I get a little bruised up. And my wife is like, well, like, don't show that to the kids, you don't want them to see the bruises. But you know, so so it definitely has that side, right. But I think first and foremost, it's it's a it's a skill you learn. It's something that has the whole kind of self-control element to it and mental concentration and and stability mm-hmm. and and things like that that come with all martial arts, right? To make sure that you don't abuse the knowledge that you have and you use it for good and or self-defense. Uh, so you're you're absolutely right. I think if for for anyone that that does uh, martial art, they kind of know this and and if you don't, and if you've been interested in trying it out, I would say, try it out that, you know, interestingly, the the classes I took had all kinds of, uh, of demographics in it, they were younger, they were older, it actually had more female than male people mm-hmm. in it. So just just a very interesting mix of demographic too. Yes. Uh, maybe now it's also a good time to talk uh, let's say about
0: your family, you have two kids, so would would like to share a little bit more about your family.
1: Absolutely. I have, uh, I have a wife who was Born and raised in uh, in Wisconsin, in the Milwaukee area, um, and I have and she actually works at a at another data company. Mm. She happens to be in, in HR and not in technology, but uh, but just really interesting how that all worked out. And then I have two kids. Uh, I have a three year old boy named Caspian and a seven year old girl whose name is Kaya. And as you can imagine, they they take up a lot of my free time, right? So so it's it's constantly a challenge of how do I make sure that when i'm at work i'm at work right and um and i tend to be a perfectionist to begin with and so it's more it's more a challenge of like when i'm not at work how do i make sure that i'm fully in the moment with my my family and my kids yes exactly so it is not
0: so much about how much time do you spend with them but how present you are in the moments when you are together right so sometimes 30 minutes uh, when you are fully present and you do let's see some funny stuff with them it's more than if some other is three hours just with them
1: in the same house but uh, not spending time together yeah that's true and and i would say in this day and age you know it's really we're all so much so focused on the future we're we're Mm -hmm. always thinking about this next meeting i have tomorrow or this deadline i have next week or preparing for something else or you know calling around to do some home improvement or whatever and i think one thing that my kids really have taught me is To live in the present because kids, that's what they do, right? They're like, you tell them to hurry, get ready for school. They don't really understand that because they Mm -hmm. don't live in the 10 minutes or the 30 minutes from now, they literally live right now. And all they're comprehending is what am I doing now? Am I enjoying myself? Am I playing? And so, so just watching them grow from a baby and having those kind of challenges between parents and kids. Because of our different frame of reference, I think has, has really taught me to try to really be in the moment, you know, disconnect from technology, put down my phone or not even have my phone with me when I'm with them. So you're absolutely right. I think the quality is, is extremely important. And even if we had the quantity of time with them, sometimes we're, you know, we're, we're thinking about the next thing and we're not fully with them or we get distracted by technology nowadays. And, and, and that's something I've been trying to work on.
0: Yeah. Fully agree. Janos, can you give us some good tip for some app uh, which may help to our colleagues improve their daily routine, either uh, in work or private life?
1: Mm-hmm. Uh really interesting question. So I, one one app I use, and it it's really hard to get into the habit of actually using it, is a person a personal CRM basically. Mm-hmm. It's, it's almost like a, a, an electronic Rolodex. Uh, it's called Manica, but there are many different ones out there, and it helps you. Keep the connections that you have. You know, we we get to interact with people and work with people from time to time that we're constantly learning from. And, and as we get older, I would say it's harder to maintain relationships with people, right? Like you you hear this epidemic, this kind of trend of older generations not having many friends. And I think something like a virtual CRM can really help make notes about the people that we know and love. And reconnect with them, right? Even if it's just three months later, six months later, maybe their next, my next birthday, but then I can just bring up this app and take a look at, you know, the last time we had coffee, what did we talk about? Who, mm-hmm. Where are they from? What are their mm-hmm. kids' names? And and those those little things really help, I think, uh, maintain those those connections in this in this world of uh, distractions. Yeah, very interesting
0: tip. Uh, so, is it freely accessible in App Store?
1: I think, I think so. So Monica CRM, the one I use, I think it has a free tier and it has a a pay for tier. I, I actually got it when I was a student. So I have like the paid tier for free, but it's, yeah, it's, it's, I think available on both major platforms and, and if, if not, there's, there's many other alternatives, but the important thing is some kind of system where you can easily put people's names and then information about them, both their family, their interests. You know your interactions with them fine thank you for that tip very interesting i always used to talk with my
0: guests about their values and also, of course values of Covetra. so what does never settle mean to you janos
1: ah oh, never settle that's really that's a really interesting one so growing up in a different country and you know I, I kind of i shared my background and never taking opportunities for granted um combined with my background i think in execution Made me, made me very much a perfectionist. I'm a, I consider myself a hard worker. Um, I think there's always an opportunity to shoot higher, shoot for the stars, and then work hard to try to achieve it. So to me, that's what Neville's Never Settle means. I think it's this, this notion that no matter who you are, no matter where you work, you, can, you have an opportunity to, to make an impact and change the world. You know, it might be in a very specific industry or a very specific company, but you you can really make an make a difference and make an impact. And oftentimes, I think people find it difficult to kind of take a step back from being reactive to things at work, and just think like in my role, what can I do to make an impact? What can I do to really change the course of of my team and my company? And so, to me, that's what never settled never settle means it's it's always shooting for the stars it's always it's putting in the work and always challenging myself on what are the things that i'm not i haven't thought about or what other things i can connect from other industries that could make a difference here yeah
0: janus we are approaching the end of our interview unfortunately and now is your space uh, for sharing any message to
1: anyone in the company i would i would probably share a message with with my team my whole team, but you know specifically my uh, my direct team. So you mentioned Jeff Bates, mm-hmm. C.J. Wilkins, Laurie Bish, and Ken Stern, which is kind of my my uh, direct team on the the data engineering and management group. And I just want to thank them for everything they do. They're an amazing team. They're very much experts in their domains, and um, they they all live into all of our values, including. the the value that we just talked about of never settling. And so I want to tell them I appreciate them very much.
0: Nice. Perfect. Janos, thank you for making your time for our podcast today. I really appreciate how open you are and everything what you shared with us. And I wish you all the success. So thank you once again. Thank you so much for having me. It was a privilege. Well, Janos Pastor, Senior Director of Data Engineering and Management at Covetras was my guest today. I believe that now we all understand the principles of data and their place in our life. I have to say that for me the interview with Janos was nice experience and good inspiration. For example, the personal CRM is something I will for sure try. You can listen to Podcast in Spotify or Apple Podcasts. CWetFlow Podcast is hosted by me, Jan Trnavský and produced by Teresa Tartcuva. Ciao.